Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program, and I am George O'Hara. And today, we have a live recording from Girls on Key with the feature poet, Sister Zai. Sister Zai is a storyteller who uses spoken word to explore the political through her personal and lived everyday experiences. Zai's social justice work takes place within the Stillwaters Women's Storytelling Collective, which she founded in 2011 with the intention of making diverse and underrepresented voices and issues heard in the mainstream. Sister Zai is also a radio announcer on 3CR's Hip Sister Hop show, which is on Mondays at 1pm, where she showcases music by women and Indigenous Australians and spoken word segments featuring live readings from local poets. So, let's have a listen to Sister Zai. Thank you. I carry many stories on my head. Chapters and chapters of history. Chapters and chapters of lives lie resting right here, encoded in the tight spirals of my hair. My mother always beams as she loudly announces, you, you have your father's hair. Yes, indeed. This hair is super thick and fast growing, used to be jet black tight curls. Yes, indeed. Length and thickness, that rare double blessing crowns the head of this beloved African daughter. When loosed, this is when I had an afro, when loosed my halo of light Tight curls pay homage to Bantu ancestors, people who journeyed east, west, and south from Egypt and Sudan to as far as Ghana and Zimbabwe, from the cradle of civilization to the playground of civilization. My father's people journeyed to settle in Zimbabwe, Mozambique, South Africa. There, these Bantus built many, many kingdoms, dynasties, and trading empires, headed by queens and kings who ruled out of sacred cities, built out of sacred rock in sacred places. This thick, tight-curled Afro hair is a homage to Bantu in Africa, the sacred, my shrine. I carry many stories on my head, Chapters upon chapters of lives lie resting right here, encoded in the tight spirals of my hair. Yes, tight curled Afro hair spirals and grows thick, but that's only at the center of my head. At the nape of my neck, just like the southern and eastern seaboard of Africa there, the texture of my hair reveals much more of a mystery. There lies a chapter shut off 
by his story. Uh, his story of policies promoting racial segregation, colorism and color grading, legislated black, white, brown housing zones leading to the fear of lighter skinned babies being snatched from darker skinned mothers. And there at the nape of my head, looser curls suddenly burst forth. When she touches this part of my head, my mother whispers, feels softer, like baby hair, grows a little slower too. Do you know that your grandmother, my grandmother, had wavy hair, not curls, not spirals, wavy hair? You know the kind of hair that Malays have? Your great-grandmother had soft Indian hair. She was so ashamed of it. She never let anyone see it. She always cut it short. She never let it grow, but she had the most beautiful hair. And so silenced, buried deep in a grave, that chapter two rests encoded in the tight spirals atop my head. I carry many, many stories on my head, chapters and chapters of history, chapters, chapters of lives lie resting right here encoded in the tight spirals of my hair. As I dig around in this family history, a chapter of waves continues to haunt me as I try to cover the gap that oral family histories gloss over. But in books, I read of southern Indians who sailed over the Indian Ocean, seeking out a thriving living through trade in spice, gold, and ivory, of Indian and Arab traders who married into African households to secure a trading partner and a trade route of slaves marketed in Kenya and Zanzibar to end up in the Middle East and Asia, of European sailors jumping ship in Madagascar, Mauritius, and in my mind's romantic eye, I feel there is a story of a great-great-grandparent, an Indian or a Malay man who sailed over to Africa in a dhow and fell for an African princess. I carry many stories on my head. Chapters and chapters of lives lie resting right here, encoded in the tight spirals of my hair. Thank you. A call rejects the old type. He's in love with a modern woman. He's in love with a beautiful girl who speaks in English. Akol is no longer in love with the old type. He's in love with a modern girl. The name of the beautiful one is Clementine. Brother, when you see Clementine, the beautiful one aspires to look like a white woman. Her lips are red hot like glowing charcoal. She resembles the wildcat that has dipped its mouth in blood. Her mouth is like raw yours. It looks like an open ulcer, like the mouth of a field. Tina dusts powder on her face, and it looks so pale. She resembles the wizard getting ready for the midnight dance. She dusts the ash dirt all over her face. When little sweat begins to appear in her body, she looks like the guinea fowl, and she believes that this is beautiful because it resembles the face of a white woman. 
Her body resembles the ugly coat of a hyena. Her neck and arms have real human skin. She looks as if she has been struck by lightning. Forgive me, brother. Do not think I am insulting the woman with whom I share my husband. Do not think my tongue is being sharpened by jealousy. It is the sight of Tina that provokes sympathy in my heart. I do not deny I'm a little jealous. It is no good lying. We all suffer from a little jealousy. It catches you unawares like the ghosts that bring fevers. It surprises people like earth tremors. I'm not unfair to my husband. I do not complain because he wants another woman. Whether she is young or aged, who has prevented men from wanting women? Who has discovered the medicine for thirst? The medicines for hunger and anger and enmity? Who has discovered them? In the dry season, the sun shines and rain falls in the wet season. Women hunt for men and men hunt for women. But when you see the beautiful woman with whom I share my husband, you feel a little pity for her. The woman with whom I share my husband walks as if her shadow has been captured. She looks as if she has been ill for a long time. Actually, she is starving. She does not eat. She fears getting fat, that the doctor has prevented her from eating. She says a beautiful woman must be slim like a white woman. But my husband despises me. He laughs at me. He says he is too good to be my husband. Okol says he is not the age mate of my grandfather to live with someone like me. When the beautiful one with whom I share my husband returns from cooking her hair, she resembles a chicken that has fallen into a pond. Her hair looks like a python's discarded skin. My husband tells me I have no ideas of modern beauty. Ask me what beauty is to be a coley. I will tell you. I will show it to you if you give me a chance. Listen, ostrich plumes differ from chicken feathers. A monkey's tail is different from a giraffe. The crocodile skin is not the guinea fowls. And the hippo is naked and hairless. A call, my friend, look at my skin. It is smooth and black. And my boyfriend who plays the langa, sings praises to it. I am proud of the hair with which I was born, as no white woman wishes to do her hair like mine because she is proud of the hair with which she was born. I have no wish to look like a white woman. No leopard would change into a hyena, and the crested crane would hate to be changed into the bald-headed vulture. The long-necked and graceful giraffe cannot become a monkey. She told me, and he told me, not to be political. We don't want anything political here, okay? I nodded. And in my heart, I felt despondent, because you see, no, my writing is not political. My writing is my truth. My writing is life seen through a sister's eye, as in sister's eye, seen? Nothing written here but the truth of where I've been and what I've seen. Where I've been with these two feet of mine and a heart born to shine. And truth is, truth hurts. But that's no reason to reject reality and hide from fact in an act in a play called Nothing Political. 
Truth is, I live in a politicized body, a body forced to accommodate hurt. Truth is, I live in a politicized body, a body etched with meaning I didn't sketch or go out seeking. Truth is, I live in a politicized body, black skin, afro, and mouth curled around chapters of history purposefully hidden, kidnapped, disappeared, missing. Chapters of history purposefully hidden, kidnapped, disappeared, missing. I live and move around in black skin, branded with meaning I played no part in creating. I live and move around in black skin, in a world taught to shoot on sighting. So I'm always left wondering if this time I'll be shot down, shut down, shut up, or if I'll be let in just the way I am in this black skin. I live and move around in black skin, so I'm constantly wondering if this time I'll be let in just as I am in this black skin, or will I be forced to engage in another sitting? That is, if I've got the strength to keep moving through this bullshit shitstem. So no, my writing is not political. Except I live in this skin that's caused revolution and counter-revolution. Come on. Are we still dreaming after civil rights? After apartheid? After decolonization? I still live in a politicized body that is now written into the laws of popular culture as some part human and rest part animal. You don't believe me? Turn on your television as it tells lies to your vision about the black woman. Hold her down, it says. Have your way, it says. Advertised as the mule of the world. We're told that if she is stubborn, just give her a kick and command her to get down on her knees and lick your hmm, sick. No, my writing is not political, but my body is the site of the most radical. You see, I had aunts whisper in my ear about the sacredness of my sex. Did you hear? I said I had aunts whisper in my ear about the sacredness of my sex. I'm not talking about some Hail Mary virgin birth. I'm talking about sex, love making with the intent to heal and birth. Love that bathes lovers in the unashamed gush of my healing waters. That's the sacredness of my sex. My black pussy ought to remind you of the original black pussy that birthed a world of seven billion and more. Lick it. I dare you.
Taste the origins of your life on my lips, and I bet you will bow down to the sacredness of my sex. God, your creator, our creator, is a black woman. God is a black woman carrying worlds between her legs at the soft warm meeting of strong thighs. God is a black woman carrying life in bellies and feeding life with breasts full of sweet milk. Suck on this truth. I dare you. Suck. God is a black woman, but we don't know this goddess divine, black divine, because we've been brainwashed to fear God, brainwashed to see God as an angry old man, hell bent on punishing us, disciplining us, always fucking watching us, but that's not love. My God is love. My God is a black woman who dances wild, eats big, laughs hearty. Truth is, God is a black woman. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, that piece has been, I've been working with a producer, a dub reggae producer, because I love reggae and I love dub. So you can, you can find that on my SoundCloud, like a rough version of the final mix of God is a Black Woman. I'm just thinking of my mom listening to that. <laughs> Okay. So, um, I thought maybe I'll do one last piece, um, and I've got a few of these here as well, if anybody would like some. I'd originally um, made the sneak peek, because I was like just trying to get a little extra cash in the bank account to take to Denmark, but if anybody likes what they've heard, this is some of my old stuff, so just come and get it. Um, and you can get all my contact details in there. This one's called She Oak Love, and I'll, I'll perform it for you. It's an old favorite. Yesterday I fell in With a river red gone. 
hundred-year-old, knobby, scarred, scratched, smoothed bark, silver, red river, gone with thick old bounce land reach out crooked but wise extending a little to the left and then to the right, but always upward to the skies. And she to the yalikitwilin part of us. You are so beautiful, Mama River, red gum. You Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Anna for asking me. We also have Jamie King Holden today live from Girls on Key. Jamie King Holden's first book of poetry, Chemistry, was published by Whitmore Press in 2011. Her poetry has appeared in Antipodes, Capsule, Cordite, Dot Dot Dash, Eureka Street, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Eclexographia, Mascara Literary Review, and Veranda. She was shortlisted for the Gwen Harwood Poetry Prize in 2010 and was guest emerging writer for the Mildura Writers' Festival in 2011. So... Let's have a listen to Jane. This first poem is a bit of a non-poem, actually, but it's about Christmas, so I thought it would get us all in the spirit. Um, it's called Lists. On the back veranda, Thomas Silver Sr., ex-labourer, ex-pilot, ex-milk bar entrepreneur, ex-wannabe Namvet, 
stands guard beside the smoking rotisserie like something gothic. I watch him straighten his tissue paper hat, a parenthesis wrapped around his leather ears, now purely ornamental. Mrs. Alice Silver, pastime air hostess, part-time lawn bowler, full-time warrior, sometime crier, slices boiled eggs and tells us we are all going to die from smoking. It's Christmas. Cicadas scream down at us from the river gums and Thomas Silver Jr., bigot council worker, bigot father, bigot Australian rules supporter, bigot astronomy enthusiast, begins to tell us the problem with homosexuals. I poke my ham. I hold my breath and make a list. Dexterous, oyster, fountain pen, calcium, sex, Thomas Jr.'s children are tearing around the plastic Christmas tree like two Aryan tornadoes. I try to join in on their game. Arsenic, test cricket, homo sapien, Napoleon, caramel, partisan, love. Taking a recently extinguished piece of my aunt's plum pudding, I retreat to the axe-initialed peppercorn tree standing stoic and bruised on my grandparents' front lawn. One street over, a family belts out a drunken rendition of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. The wheelie bin on the curb overflows with Christmas litter. I swallow my pudding. Wind chime, alphabet, ink, anarchy, cornflakes, unhappiness. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda, for, in, uh, sorry, Anna, for inviting me tonight. Amanda's the uh, la, la mama, sorry, Anna. Um, <laughs> it's really lovely, be, lovely to be reading alongside uh, Sister Zizai again tonight, and to my old friend, uh, Autumn Royal, whose work is amazing, and you should buy a new book when it comes out. Uh, this poem's called Limbo. Children are huffing dazzling paints from lunch bags. Western clouds are cordoning off. Mountains connect with overpasses, buzzing with Italian supercars and principled light. A bird marks the sun, cracks open the sky. A conductor as foreign as history punches a hole in a ticket. The train rocks three nuns to prayer, carries us into iniquity and stone. In the dark, a silhouette removes his watch, adjusts the seat. Backpackers discuss forever and share water. On the other side, the Mediterranean hisses and spits, substanceless blue, unresolved. <clears throat> I've walked down streets to vanish. You, a pivot of coat and neck, are cauterized. Outside the room is the total of night, a close moon in a hood of bone, a woman's wet grief we mistake for pleasure. Inside, words drag and fill ungoverned. Inside, we trade the hot sluice of prayer, love the space between the cot and the dirt.
Uh, this one's about my dad who cut his arm off. They put it back on again. Anyway, it's called The Angle Grinder's Song. Seven years on, I find a photograph of your bad arm in a coffee jar, the cut yawning like an open bag, a stick of pink bone. At a party, you're singing and dancing with a clothesline, one fist punching holes in the sky like a vi village person. In the fairy light, your left arm illuminates celestially, linking freckles and coarse hair as purposelessly as the paths of snails, and I wonder how you can sing or stand the taste of coffee again. Thanks, Anna. Well, that's all we have time for today. So until next time, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word.